What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade, joined as always by my co-host, David Drogemeyer. And today's episode is brought to you by the new Ryan Holiday book. From the best-selling authors of The Daily Stoic comes the ultimate stoicism guide to success, resilience, and virtue. To accept what you cannot control and adapt to what you can, a philosophy sports teams across the country are successfully adapting. Lives of the Stoics, The Art of Living from Zeno to Marcus Aurelius is available now wherever books are sold. Before we get started, we are two writers from San Diego Sports Domination, Slam Diego's top sports blog, and we've been covering the Chargers now for over five seasons doing our own Facebook Live show, Chargers Domination Live, which airs weekly during the season. And now this is our third season as the host of the Locked On Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. All right, guys. Well, first, before we get started, a couple of notes that I want to get into. First, I just want to thank all of our loyal listeners for giving us one of the best weeks of the Locked On NFL Network last week with the Justin Herbert situation going down and him starting that game against the Kansas City Chiefs. You guys really showed up and gave us one of, if not our best week ever. So I definitely want to shout you guys out for that one. But it's also another special day for another big reason because not only are the Padres playing in the playoffs today, but it is your host David Drogemeyer's birthday today. The big 2-9 for David Drogemeyer, getting really old over here. But David, I just want to tell you happy birthday. I'm glad you get to be talking about football on your special day. Hey, man, I wouldn't have it any other way sitting here talking football with uh, one of my best friends, man. Couldn't Couldn't get any better. Let's get into it. Yeah, I think it'll be a very fun show. I'm definitely happy to be here, especially considering the Chargers are one and two. I think there's a lot to be excited about. And today we'll be starting with the news that the Chargers have made a couple of roster adjustments. I would say they have officially put Chris Harris Jr. on injured reserve. They also brought up Jaleel Adai on a more permanent basis to the active roster. And also they signed Joe Gaziano, the defensive end that was with them in camp, to the practice squad as well. So we'll get into that. But in the second segment, we're going to be getting into injuries. I know everyone wants to talk about injuries, but we're going to try to put a positive spin on it. We'll talk about which injuries have impacted the Chargers the most so far, but we'll also talk about some silver linings to those injuries, like Justin Herbert breaking out so far. I mean, Joshua Kelly getting opportunities, Uchen and Wosu getting more opportunities. And then at the end of the show, we'll be getting into some fan voicemails One talking about the Chargers offensive line and if we're giving up on that line already. And we'll also get into some more general takes from the game and give a little bit of our thoughts on this weekend's upcoming game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and how we feel about that matchup going into Sunday's game. So a lot to get into. Let's get into it. On Tuesday, the Los Angeles Chargers made a few roster moves, including activating safety Jaleel Adai to the active roster and signing Joe Gaziano to the practice squad. This is Daniel Wade, joined by David Drogemeyer with your Locked on Chargers lead story. Chargers cornerback Chris Harris Jr. is going to be out for four to six weeks, and the Chargers have now officially placed him on the injured reserve list to go along with the likes of Derwin James, Melvin Ingram, Justin Jones, just to name a few of the Chargers' key defenders. But in a corresponding move, the team ended up bringing up former safety Jaleel Adai to the active roster Adai was on the active roster last week, but he was part of the two players that are allowed to come up from the practice squad every game of the season. And now this is a more permanent situation for Jaleel Adai, who comes up to help out a secondary David that has been really banged up so far this season. 
Yeah, they definitely have been banged up, Daniel. And fortunately for Chris Harris Jr. and the multitude of other Chargers that find themselves on IR, this year being on IR is not the kiss of death. These guys will have an opportunity to come back if they are healthy enough. There's no designation to return this year, so whoever gets healthy is able to come back. And for Chris Harris Jr., it seems like This is only going to be a four- to six-week injury. On his Instagram, he said, hey, we're going to be back in four weeks. So that is something I'm sure he's just going to be optimistic about. But because he was put on IR, that opens up an opportunity for Jalil Adai. And that basically means that Desmond King, unfortunately, is going to be taken out of the safety rotation, and they're going to have to move him back to slot corner. Uh, this really means that they're going to be very, very thin at cornerback because if someone else gets injured, they're going to have to turn to Tavon Campbell and Brandon Faison, who when Brandon Faison was in the game you know, last season and the season before, he was targeted a lot and gave up a lot of yards and catches as a re- result to it. This injury is going to take some flexibility away from this defense, and they're going to have to figure out a better rotation on how to get this thing done. If there's another major injury in the secondary, they might have to look outside of the organization to try to get some help. Right, which is what they did with Jaleel Adai. He was a free agent, and they brought him in. And even though he is not playing cornerback, which is where the charges are thin because of the Chris Harris Jr. injury, he fills in at safety and lets Desmond King go back to his position over the last few years. And he'll hope to make himself some money by getting on the field a lot more than he has the last couple of weeks but another move the Chargers made was adding defensive end Joe Gaziano to the practice squad a guy who was really good at Northwestern one of the all-time leaders in the Big Ten in sacks a guy that I really liked in camp as someone that could make the team potentially instead of a guy like Isaac Rochelle or instead of some of the other guys he was going up against as undrafted free agents so David, he didn't really get much of a chance during training camp to prove he should be on this team, and now he gets a spot on the practice squad to try to continue his NFL career. Yeah, and when you look at Joe Gaziano, I mean, this guy is physically imposing. Six foot four, 280 pounds, and you look at his college career, and he had one of the better careers in college football. At Northwestern, he was the all-time leader in sacks at that school with 30 and had a ridiculous 48 and a half tackles for loss. So this guy just gets things done. He has an unbelievable motor. And I'll, honestly, when I first saw him in training camp and saw that the Chargers picked him up, I thought he would have a really good chance of making the roster. The combination of his size and his productivity, you know, I thought was going to mesh really well as a primary backup to Joey Bosa. But unfortunately for Joe Gaziano, he was hampered with injuries pretty much the entire training camp, and he lost his opportunity to get on the practice squad when the Chargers decided to go with Jesse Lemonnier. Anthony Lynn did say in Hard Knocks that, you know, these guys have to stay ready because they might get an opportunity. Well, this is Joe Gaziano's opportunity, and now he's going to have to make the most of it. And he does fit the more prototypical defensive end that would back up Joey Bosa. You need a bigger body to play that position. Uchenna Nuosu has taken over for Melvin Ingram in his absence on injured reserve and played the opposite side, but 
for that backup position, you need somebody that's a little bit bigger and can really be a force in the running game as well. And Joe Gaziano, even though he's not the most athletic guy, is a guy that plays very, very hard and was ultra productive while in college and has a chance to potentially find some snaps on this team if the injuries keep going the way they have been. But hopefully the Chargers can get right and not have to have a lot more roster transactions this season because so far guys have been coming up and going down to the practice squad and getting signed to the practice squad left and right. So hopefully that can even out for them a little bit. But the biggest thing from this is new guys are getting some new opportunities with the Chargers. And we've seen players in the past who have taken those opportunities and turned into really good players. But we do have two more segments to get into because we're going to get into all of the injury luck the Chargers have had so far this year and maybe some of the silver lining from those injuries before wrapping up the show with some fan voicemails. But first, I need to tell you guys that now more than ever, it's important to show your support for your team and your community. Visa and the National Football League know that local businesses help your community move the ball down the field. Small businesses everywhere are overcoming challenges in these new times thanks to teammates like you and Visa because when everyone pitches in, everyone benefits. Being loyal to local businesses ignites growth and supports all of us and our communities because they know that where you shop matters. Visa urges you to support local retailers who are making shopping safe and reliable. And remember, always try to pay with your contactless Visa wherever you see the contactless symbol to help support your community. Visa, official partner of the NFL. All right, well, anyone who is a seasoned Charger fan knows that some of the injuries that they've had over the years have really seemed like they're not comparable to other teams. It just seems like the Chargers are always the team that's the most injured every season. And there's been calling for the you know the training staff, which has been changed over the last few years. And a lot of other people called out for these things as well, strength and conditioning, to be sure. But the Chargers this season are already one of the most injured teams in the NFL, especially when you're talking about the starters that they have lost so far to injuries. I mean, everyone knows that Derwin James is going to miss the entire season with a knee injury, and we all know the impact that that's going to make. But, David, let's just look at this list real quick. I mean, you look at injured reserve. You have Derwin James, Chris Harris Jr., Justin Jones, Drew Tranquil, Melvin Ingram, and Mike Pouncey. I mean, that's already right there. Six starters on injured reserve, five from the defensive side of the ball. These players have missed at least two games and have not been placed on injured reserve. Justin Jackson, Trey Turner, Tyrod Taylor, and Nick Vigil, a key depth piece at linebacker and special teamer. And some other players that have been really banged up and in and out of games are Mike Williams, who was able to come back for the first game after his shoulder injury, but did have to miss some of the last game due to injury. And Brian Bulaga, who, I mean, has been really in and out of every game that he's been in so far this season, except for the first game where he played the entire game. But David, I mean, you just look at that list and it's hard to think that the Chargers are just really unlucky when it comes to these injuries. I mean, I think going into this season, you expected there to be a lot of injuries just because these guys just didn't have a typical offseason. I mean, I'm sure a lot of them tried to train on their own and tried to get in the best shape that they could, but they did not have the ability to get in into the team facilities to work out and to be with professional trainers. I mean, there's so much, so many things in this off season that really threw things off for these guys. So I'm sure it took some time for them to even get into game shape. They didn't do a lot of tackling all of no preseason, all of that stuff compounded on top of each other, I think is what has led to a lot of these injuries. And yeah, it just seems like a typical year for the chargers. So many damn injuries, but 
one of the good things that you have to remember is that some of these guys are going to come back. I mean, yeah, when you hear IR, it's scary because you think these guys are going to be gone. But most of these guys, I think, are going to be able to find themselves back on the football field, hopefully for the Chargers this year, the way IR has been set up. Yeah, and it's just hard because with Justin Jones, we really have no idea how severe the injury is. With Melvin Ingram, we really don't know how severe that injury is. We just know they're going to be out a minimum of three weeks instead of eight weeks like it normally is. But for Chris Harris Jr., four to six weeks. Drew Tranquil, I think, will probably be out for at least most of the season. But all of these guys have been really missed by the Chargers. But they've been able to fill in well for them. And I think the depth for this team has shown up early, probably earlier than expected. I mean, with so many players having to fill in, Rayshon Jenkins moving to strong safety, having Nazir Adderley to take his spot, having Desmond King to take Chris Harris Jr. spot, even having, you know, a guy like Kazir White who was underused in the base package on defense as the strong side linebacker, having him fill in at weak side linebacker hasn't been the worst thing in the world. I mean, I think he's played pretty well so far. I made a lot of nice tackles in open space, but it led me to think of who has been the biggest impact the Chargers have missed the most so far this season. And obviously when you're having this conversation, you can't really bring up Derwin James because that's the obvious answer, (laughs) David. I mean, there's only one answer if you're looking at this list, even though Chris Harris Jr. is very good, even though some of these guys are very much missed. But that led me to the question of who besides Derwin James do you think has had the biggest impact on the Chargers so far? I mean, I think for me, you look at two particular players. I, I think one one of those on the defensive side, you know, Melvin Ingram. I think Melvin Ingram is extremely important to this defense. He does a lot of the dirty work. Obviously, he's one of the better pass rushers in the league. And also, I think Joey Bosa has been missing him. I also think Echenna Nwosu has filled in admirably in the one game that he's filled in for him. But for me, the biggest, most important injury is Trey Turner. I think Trey Turner has not been able to get on the football field for a long enough period of time to really qualify him as playing a football game. And he was supposed to be able to come back last week, but Anthony Lynn just said he was not ready. And I think the reason why it's so significant, Daniel, is that you look at the people who have come in to try to replace him, like Tyree St. Louis, who is one of the worst PFF-graded offensive linemen in the NFL, and then Ryan Groy, who gave up six pressures last week. I mean, the drop-off has been at, like go, going off a cliff. It's been monumental. So that's, that, for me, is the reason why Trey Turner being out has been the most significant injury to me. Yeah, and I think for Melvin Ingram, I think the argument is there to be made just because his football IQ is so good and he does so many little things very well, reads things out, bats balls down at the line of scrimmage. I really thought about him last week on the screen pass that the Panthers ended up scoring a touchdown on after Jerry Tillery lined up in the wrong spot and just thought of you know week one where he sniffs out a screen pass and intercepts it as the Bengals are going down on what looks to be a scoring drive. But I have to agree with you. I think it's Trey Turner, just based on the guys who have come up after him. Like you said, I mean, Kazir White's played pretty well behind Drew Tranquil. Desmond King, I mean, it's been too it's too soon to really talk about, you know, even Justin Jones, Melvin Ingram, and Chris Harris Jr. yet, just because we haven't really seen the full effects of those guys missing yet. But for the offensive line, I think what you saw in week three is there's just an extreme lack of continuity. The Panthers were not a good pass rushing team. 
and they made the Chargers offensive line look really bad, led by a guy like Brian Groy, who gave up you know the most pressures on the Chargers offensive line last year, but I think had the highest offensive line grade from PFF, so uh, some of those things <laughs> just don't really make a lot of sense. But I think Tyree St. Louis, you can just tell. I mean, in the first game, the Chargers tried to go behind him on a couple of short yardage plays, and he was not getting the job done, not getting any movement on the line. Held up okay in pass protection, but the Chargers' offensive line was have really caught up to them. And I think missing Trey Turner for those games, having him get a chance to get in there and get solidified and really gel with guys like Dan Feeney or even having a right tackle, whether it's Trey Pipkins or Brian Bulaga, there's really not a lot of chemistry between these guys right now. So I think... Trey Turner is probably the one that has had the biggest impact so far. And I know Daniel has been missing Trey Turner pancaking people. I know he's been looking forward to it all season, huh, Daniel? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is, like, it's just the physicality. I mean, Dan Feeney actually had a nice pancake last week, so I definitely like to see that. But, uh, I mean, Trey Turner, just having that guy that you know is going to out-physical the guy in front of him most of the time, that that really hurts on this Chargers offensive line, especially knowing what kind of offense that Anthony Lynn likes to run, especially in those short yardage situations. But let's get into the positives because nobody wants to just talk about the negatives of injuries. And I think that the Chargers... Yeah, I mean, it's what do you mean positives from injury? So what I mean by that is there has been some guys that have really stepped up. And when you look even in NFL history and look back at all the really good quarterbacks like Tom Brady, Drew Bledsoe goes down and Tom Brady gets an opportunity. I mean, even some of the undrafted free agents that the Chargers have had that ended up finding themselves on the field due to injuries and producing way more than they ever should as an undrafted free agent. I mean, this is how guys step up and you learn what you have in guys. And I think when you're looking at the silver linings, David, there's a lot to look at. I mean, Justin Herbert, we would not know what Justin Herbert was at this point of the season if Tyrod Taylor were not to have his lung punctured by his own team doctors. And obviously wasn't expecting to see him at all, man. To yeah, be honest with you. Definitely. I mean, you we there was a good chance the Chargers never had Justin Herbert play this season. I mean, with what the offense looked like with Tyrod Taylor, maybe at some point they would have needed a spark and they would have made the switch maybe after the bye week or something like that. But now you can actually be excited about Justin Herbert. You can be excited about Joshua Kelly because Justin Jackson going down has opened up some opportunities for him. I mean, the fumble withstanding but there's a lot of players on this team David where there is a very big silver lining and some guys that we really get to get an evaluation on that we just wouldn't have before if the charge if if some of the guys ahead of them hadn't gone down well and also I think it makes you feel a lot better about the Chargers depth I mean I think Tom Telesco said before the season he felt a lot better about where he was from a depth standpoint and I think you know, that's uh, as a result of the last couple of years where, you know, he was in a playoff game against New England and they get absolutely destroyed because they have no linebacker depth. And I think that started it right there. I think that was the, the card or the straw that broke the camel's back. And he said, hey, I need to, yeah, I got great skill skill players, a lot of quality, you know, top end talent, but I need to have more balance on my roster. And I think this year he has shown that he has provided a lot more quality, balance, and depth to this team. And I don't know how much more injuries they can sustain, but the guys we've got to see play, the guys you mentioned, like Justin Herbert, Kaiser White, those guys have really taken this opportunity and ran with it. They look fantastic. Yeah, Justin Herbert has made 
his couple of rookie mistakes, but he's also been in the history books for his performances the last yeah. couple of weeks. So you have to take the good with the bad. I think you expect some growing pains, but what you have seen I think is extremely positive. I mean, just some of the throws that he makes, the way he moves around the in the pocket, it seems like he already has a feel for this game, and you can just see all the ability, all the talent, all the physical gifts that he has. And it just makes you think, man, they can get really creative with Justin Herbert once he really knows this offense. They're going to be able to do so many different things. They're going to be very multiple. And, yeah, I think on defense, Kaiser White's been great. I mean, Jerry Tillery had a couple of really good games as well, which I think he wouldn't get that many opportunities if Justin Jones didn't go down. But, man, yeah, a lot to be thankful for, a lot to be excited about. Yeah, and I think the only thing I would push back on a little bit is Jerry Tillery, just because it seemed like when Justin Jones was in there, they didn't necessarily have to rely on Jerry Tillery holding the point of attack, and that he struggled with last week a little bit. He got better as the game went on, but he definitely seemed to be at least pass rushing better. He didn't get any pressures last week before Justin Jones ended up going out. But I think this is another really big thing for the Chargers, getting to evaluate some of these guys whose contracts are expiring. And the guys I'm talking about here are Forrest Lamp, who is going into a contract season, Dan Feeney, who is going into a contract season. And for those guys, I mean, Forrest Lamp, you haven't been able to see him on the field well enough to know whether you should re-sign him. And you also have Dan Feeney, who would have started at left guard anyways, but I think the Chargers will want to retain him more now, seeing what he's been able to do at the center position, even though he had a rough week Last week, he's looked much better there, but you also have Nazir Adderley showing things on the back end. Uchenna Nwosu, you would have been going into next season not knowing what you had opposite of Joey Bosa given regular snaps, and now Nwosu in his first game leads the team in pressure. So I think that a lot of those things are very important for the Chargers, not just this year, but evaluating the talent this year on a year that you're probably not going to win the Super Bowl so you know the right moves and the right buttons to push next year. I mean, I think you could even throw Brayshawn Jenkins into the mix there because he's actually played pretty well so far this season. So a lot of things we didn't think we would see happened because of injuries, but some of them aren't so bad. But we do have one more segment to get into because we have a couple more voicemails to get into, and we're also going to give a little game preview of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and just kind of give our first initial thoughts on what we're thinking about going into that game coming up right after this. So we try to get every Chargers voicemail played on the show. You know it because I say it at the end of every show. But, I mean, it's been tough because you guys have really been showing out and sending in a lot of voicemails. I mean, last week we had a couple that were last week specific that we weren't able to get into just about Justin Herbert and the reactions from his first game and all that. But this week we wanted to get into the next couple of voicemails that are both about the Panthers game. So we're going to start with a Logan from Arizona. Let's hear what Logan has for us this week. What's up, guys? It's Logan calling from Arizona. Um, just finished watching the game a little bit ago, and it's been uh, it's been tough uh, thinking about how that one ended. But uh, really, my biggest frustration, um, at least on social media after the game, is how many people are blaming the coaches for that loss. Um, when I think it's pretty clear, even in watching that game, that you know the turnovers. Um, you know, between the Josh Kelly fumble and the Justin Herbert pick, I think were daggers and really hurt momentum and put the defense in a bad spot. And then I think that there was some obviously really bad uh, calls by the refs, whether it's the pass interference 
And uh, even that fumble, the first fumble of Justin Herbert, I felt like it was pretty clear his, his arm was coming forward with the ball. So those things really, I think, put the team in a bad spot. The Chargers' play calling, I felt, was great. Uh, they generated a ton of offense. They put themselves in position to win at the end of the game. The only real bone I had to pick with the play calling, if you will, was uh, not clocking the ball. Um, and then really Justin Herbert's decisions to throw the checkdowns in the middle of the field when really they needed perimeter plays and uh, incompletions to stop the clock uh, so that they had more time. So those were some of the things I felt like the coaches probably could have got on him a little bit earlier in that drive to make sure that he was making better decisions. But in the end of the day, they had a shot to win the game, and, and you know, it was a, a bad connection between Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler, um, and, the, and they lost this one. But I think the reality is when you look back at this, we have a inexperienced quarterback who has made some poor decisions. The offensive line looked absolutely terrible, and I think that that limits a lot of what your offense is going to be able to do uh, between that combination there, but still a, uh, still, still have faith here. I think Justin Herbert's going to mature. My one question for you guys is when we look at this offensive line, uh, I think that this game was probably more revealing of who they really are. I'm just wondering if you guys are in full panic mode yet, or if you think that they will start to gel and uh, uh, improve as the season goes on. But thanks again for everything you guys do. Love listening to the show, and I'm excited to hear your thoughts. Bolt up. So I think, Logan, you're making a good point when you say that, you know, the play calling hasn't been that bad, and I think it's had really rough moments. I think you can look at a couple of plays where you just wish you could have it back. I know week two, it's the goal line sequence where you run Joshua Kelly two times in a row for no gain. There's also some short yardage situations and throwing a bubble screen on third and goal from the 20 plays like that. But overall, the Chargers offense has been moving the ball at a pace that is sixth best in the league so far. I mean, they've put up the sixth most amount of total yards, but the scoring has been way down. But what I want to talk about here is the offensive line. And we talked about it. A little bit in the last segment, David, just with some guys being able to come and improve what they have. But this offensive line is coming off of its worst week of the season. We were very impressed through the first two weeks. And then in week three, it kind of went to what we expected it to be and what we were afraid of it being going into the season. So Logan wants to know if we are pushing the panic button yet on the offensive line. Yeah, I mean, I'm not pushing the the panic button quite yet just because we have seen a couple of good games and one bad game. So you don't want to have too many knee-jerk reactions. I think you're pretty encouraged with what you've seen at left tackle with Sam Tevy. Uh, maybe he does have left tackle feet. Maybe <laughs> the gen- the general manager was onto something. Who knows? Uh, I think Feeney at center w- has been pretty decent so far. I mean, yeah, he, he didn't have a great game last game, but n- nobody really had a, a good game. I think you look at, at – Brian Belaga, and you're definitely concerned with the health. I mean, that's one of the that was really the only knock on him when we signed him is that you know he has had some injury issues in the past, and we don't know what version of Brian Belaga we're going to be getting. And unfortunately, so far this season, he's been nursing injuries the entire season so far. So that's very concerning. Hopefully, he gets healthy. I am hoping that Trey Turner is able to come back this week against the Bucks and help stabilize this offensive line. And, you know, is this going to be the best offensive line? No, it's not. But hopefully James Campbell can make these guys serviceable. And I think the panic mode is really all about the injuries because I think we all feel that if the Chargers' real starting offensive line 
was out there. I mean, if you had Sam Tevy and Forrest Lamp and Dan Feeney and Trey Turner and Brian Bulaga, the one that you intended to have, that that actually looks like a pretty good offensive line right now. But the injuries are definitely concerning. Brian Bulaga has played in almost every game over the last few seasons, but one of the knocks on him is there's a lot of games he goes into but does not finish, and that has been the case so far in 2020 for the Chargers. So that is something I'm definitely panicking about just because if you can't have those guys on the field, I think what you saw last week will be closer to what this offensive line is than what you saw the first two weeks, just given the lack of talent that they've had to put out there in their places. But I think for me, really the biggest thing is just, is this offensive line going to be able to stay good enough to give Justin Herbert a real first season if he continues out there? Because the first couple of weeks, I mean, one of my biggest arguments to having Justin Herbert out there was the offensive line is actually playing pretty good. This guy's not just getting his brains beaten out, but last week, 18 pressures, eight quarterback hits, two sacks. I mean, he got beat up last week. You saw him go down for a moment. The Chargers had to call a timeout. So in that sense, I am panicking because I don't, I really want Justin Herbert to be out there, but I don't necessarily want him out there if he's going to get battered and we can't really get, you know, a good evaluation on him. But so far it doesn't seem it matters how many hits he takes. He just always bounces back up and he's delivering those passes in the face of pressure. But you could get more of those turnovers like you saw last week too. But we do have another voicemail here. This one is Tyler from Northwestern PA. Let's see what he has for us this week. Stuff locked on, guys. Tyler from uh, Northwest PA calling again. I figured out the perfect way to describe this game, man. Driving to work this morning, I was feeling like every single Cincinnati Bengals fan felt after week one. They lost the game they knew they shouldn't have. And you know what? We, we lost that game we shouldn't have. Sloppy on both sides, but, you know, the point you guys highlighted today, those four turnovers and penalties killed us. You know, trying to take the good with the bad in this. I will say our third down uh, conversion percentage, which I think I think was 11 for 12, that gives me hope. But um, we got to get that defense healed up as soon as possible. We got to quit shooting ourselves in the foot with penalties and just, you know, I don't know, man, tough toe to swallow. It was like we were still hungover from the Chiefs game. But got to bounce back. Big game against Brady and the Bucks this weekend, you know. So let's go Bolts. So, Tyler, I think the numbers that you're referring to there are Justin Herbert on third down, not the Chargers on third down specifically. He went 11 of 12 on those third downs. And just to follow up on that, Justin Herbert actually leads the NFL right now with a passer rating of 140.2 on third downs, which is just ridiculous, David, because those of you guys who have stood with us, For the last couple of seasons and have really listened since the beginning, you would know that when we used to get into our keys to success, even in the Phillip Rivers days, one of the ones was always convert on your third downs. I mean, there were so many drive killers for the Chargers in the past where they just weren't able to convert third downs and they'd have drive stall out, which leads to field goals, leads to no points getting put up on the board. And it's crazy to think, David, that there's one thing that he has really excelled out so far. I mean, he has been excellent on third down which is huge props for a rookie i mean i think you gotta love it man i mean it's just you feel really comfortable with his ability to throw for a third uh, throw for a first down 
or run for a first down or extend the play to he, so he can get the ball in his receiver's hands. That's just something that's been missing from this offense with Phillip Rivers under center. He's just not the, the mobile type of quarterback. Yeah, he, he moves a little bit in the in the pocket, but Justin Herbert can extend plays in ways Phillip Rivers will never and has never done. So it's exciting to see what he is doing. He seems like he's owning third downs, and that's really helping keep the Chargers offense on the football field. And we think that he'll be the starter again this week from all of the reports about Tyrod Taylor. But a lot of these voicemails have ended in hoping for a big bounce back week against the Buccaneers and Tom Brady this weekend. So, David, just in a general sense, how are you feeling about this game as we sit here, you know, on a Wednesday looking forward to this weekend? Yeah, I mean, I think against the Bucks, they have a really good defense, the best defense that the Chargers are going to play against probably in the next, you know, four or five games. Uh, certainly since, since the games they've played already, these guys can definitely get things done. They have talent up and down the secondary and in, on the defensive line. Their defensive line is probably one of the better ones the Chargers are going to see all year, so that's a little scary. Uh, on, the, on the offensive side, they throw the ball a lot, and they really only run to set up the pass. They, cons- they consistently throw more than they run, So and also – you look at the numbers and they're not really even that productive on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, they're, I think they're 27th in rushing and they're like 19th in passing. So they're really not putting a huge amount of offense out there, but they're being very efficient with the offense that they do put out there. That sounds like a Tom Brady offense and we'll get more into it in our keys for success. But I was just wondering how you were feeling about it. I don't feel great about it right now because Obviously, when the Chargers have had really close games and a loss to the Bengals and then the Panthers, I mean, you don't really feel good about going up against a pretty good team in the Buccaneers who have a pretty underrated defense. Their secondary was one of the best in the league going down the stretch last year, and they also added Antoine Winfield Jr., which was one of my favorite safeties coming out of the draft, a total difference maker. But this is the part that scares me the most, and that is the Chargers having turned the ball over so many times in the last couple of weeks. I mean, five times in the last two weeks, and then you look over to the Bucks side of things, and the Bucks have forced six turnovers so far this year. They had four interceptions and three fumbles, with two of them being recovered. And they also have 12 sacks in those three games. That's going to be an issue for the Chargers. This will be a big week to Ouch, prove that they're not scary. going. Yeah, I mean, that, that scares me a little bit for Justin Herbert. Mike Evans already has four touchdowns, but only has 10 catches for 108 receiving yards. I was a little bit surprised by that. But if they do get near the end zone, I don't necessarily know who's going to match up with Mike Evans. I think it has to be Casey Hayward in that situation because he's not going to burn you if you're in the red zone. But if the, the Chargers will definitely need to keep up their work in the red zone when the Buccaneers get there. I think all of those things will be important this weekend. But overall, I'm feeling okay about it. I actually have a, like a small tingle that this Chargers actually might pull this thing off this weekend, but you'll have to wait till Friday to get my official prediction on the matter. But we're going long, so that is going to do it for today's show. Thank you to everyone who called into the Locked on Chargers voicemail. If you want the number, it is 323-524-7924. Whether you want to give your post-game reactions or you want to get a preview for the upcoming game, we always appreciate your guys' calls. The easiest way to get the show is to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts from, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts, and make sure you rate and review so we can keep this thing going. But you can also follow us on Twitter at LockedOnLAC and like the Facebook page at LockedOnChargers. But tomorrow is a Locked On 
crossover Thursday. So David will be joining the Locked On Buccaneers to get in this weekend's matchup. But until then, guys, take it easy and go Bolts.